everyone. Welcome to Not My Circle, my brand new conversation series where I talk to people that are not in my circle. I'm really excited about this new project and I'm really excited about the guests that I have the opportunity to talk to. Today we're talking to Linz, a trans person who grew up in a super Christian household and was actually sent to conversion therapy to sort of cure them of their sexual deviant behavior. It's both a heartbreaking and inspiring conversation. I think you are going to be blown away with Lens. I absolutely was and am. So please enjoy this conversation. Hi, Lens. Hi, Charizad. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy that you're here. So we're going to start with a fun little easy question. Um, what'd you have for breakfast today, Lens? Actually, something simple. Uh, just a little bit of toast, butter, and jam. Nothing too crazy. Uh, and then I got a little bit hungrier later on, so I mixed it up with a Hot Pocket. <laughs> oh, get it. Oh, my God. What, a Hot Pocket brings me back to my, like, drunk 2 a.m. college days. Um, which was a good memory for me. So I, I like the hot pocket. Wait, how old are you? 23. Ooh, 23. And you live in, you live in Florida, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Orlando, Florida. So it's actually really nice out. I've got my back patio door open and, uh, it's probably like 70 degrees out right now. I can't complain. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I was, are you a Disney person? Uh, used to be used to work for the mouse. It kind of, I think working for them turned me off on it a little bit, but I had fun when I went there. Okay. I've never heard anybody reference it as working for the mouse, but I like that. So um, I'm excited to chat with you today for a number of reasons. Um, so you are a trans person and I'd love to talk about what that means to you and um, what your transition has been like and how it all went down. So if you don't mind sharing, take start us at the beginning. Absolutely. Um, yes, I am a, I'm a trans person. I identify as non-binary, which is uh, kind of a term that falls under the trans umbrella, somebody that doesn't identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. Um, so I was uh, assigned female at birth, So, uh, which is something that pretty much most doctors and most families in America do is decide to assign a gender to their child based on um, sexual organs uh, and things like that. So it's it's interesting to kind of grow up in a community um, that only recognizes gender as uh, male or female. Um, and also to understand in your head that what you are assigned doesn't necessarily fit, but not know how to describe that or maybe also not be safe enough, you know, to describe that to the people around you who would be able to help with that. So I think I knew from a pretty young age, I couldn't tell you the earliest age, but as soon as I have like a rec recollection, rec <clears throat> excuse me, recollection of gender in my head, it, I just remember that what I was assigned didn't feel correct. Um, so I grew up in a religious household. Uh, my father was a pastor. Um, so I never, I, I, I wasn't safe uh, to be able to express like the way that I felt at a young age. Um, so throughout the, you know, my, my adolescence growing up and things like that, I, I experienced a lot of pain around like uh, my gender identity and knowing that things weren't right, but not being able to fix that. Uh, and a huge part of that was puberty, um, which is obviously something that we all go through. But 
um, for somebody who was assigned female at birth, uh, going through puberty caused me to feel the same things that, that, you know, a majority of people feel breast growth, uh, getting your period and things like that. And those things caused me to feel a lot of pain because they, they, they didn't feel right. I think in the same sense that for a cisgender person going through puberty helps you feel a little bit more comfortable in your body in the long run, going through puberty as a transgender person only makes the way that you feel about yourself worse. Um, so it took me a while to be able to like verbalize that. And I think it just caused me to feel a lot of anger as a child and not really be able to express that or have a way to express that. Um, so, um, long, kind of a long story short, I ended up meeting, uh, my now fiance in church of all places. <laughs> um, and, uh, we dated undercover or at least what we thought was undercover and, and stealthily <laughs> for about, I want to say about a year or a year and a half until we were found out. Uh, and at that point, both of our parents reacted very poorly. Um, and my parents decided that they didn't want me in their house anymore. Um, so I was 18. So um, at that at that time I left and I had friends drive up overnight from Florida to come pick me up and then drove me back down to stay with them for a little while until I became established. So at that point in time, I would have, I would have identified probably as a lesbian. And I think that that would have been a term that I would have been comfortable using. Um, but I still knew that there was more to who I was and more to my identity than, um, then I, I guess what is defined as lesbian, which is more of sexual attraction. Um, and so I, I talked about it with my partner and I was able to uh, go speak with therapists at a local, um, it's a queer healthcare clinic in downtown Orlando. Um, and that was, I want to say early 2000. Yeah. Early 2019. You know, this is so interesting to me. So I, your parents found you out and they said, we know that you're in a relationship with a woman and we want you to get out of our house. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit more complicated than that. Um, they, after they found out both of our parents ended up sending us to uh, something that is kind of commonly referred to as conversion therapy. Um, so I was sent to a place called, um, I think it was called harvest ministries. Um, in like Dresher, Pennsylvania. I remember the name of the woman who worked with me was named Ellen. And, uh, and the, I know that on their website, it says like, it's a place where they use the Bible to heal sexual sin. Like it says that that's their like goal on their website. Oh uh, and, it, and it includes like their, their belief and their understanding. they call it, they'll use the term SSA, uh, for same sex attraction is like they're, uh, they, they sometimes use the word homosexual, but their lingo is very like, <laughs> I don't know, anti-science and outdated. Um, but that's their, that's like their mission and that's like published on their website. So it, it like, and it's the kind of place like when you go there as a queer person, basically you see other like repressed queer kids there and like 
a bunch of old white creepy rapey men that are probably like deserve to be in jail type of a thing like that's oh the kind God. of place that it is honestly when you talk about that that's exactly what i'm picturing so the fact that you just confirmed it makes me feel like all these horrible images that yeah. I have are valid and the fact that it's all these poor kids that want to be who they fucking are i never i've never understood in my life why anybody cares like if you're not hurting anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. but anyway, I, I'm, I've never really, I've heard of like, I've like loosely heard of conversion, this kind of camp that you went to conversion therapy. Is that what you called it? Yeah. Conversion uh, therapy is a good term for it, but I've never ever met anybody who went through that. I, and, and it seems like something that would have happened you know, like 60 years ago or something. Like the fact that it happened just five, five-ish, six, seven-ish. Oh, yeah. It's just my Absolutely. I mean, it's archaic. And to yeah. consider, like to still try to use the Bible or to use like a religious instrument, which is a tool of like one's belief, not of like common objective moral law to try to use something like that to control someone else. Okay, it's just so not acceptable. It, it's insane. So you're there. You're you're 18. You're yeah. in love mm-hmm. with your girlfriend, or you know, yeah. now fiance, and mm-hmm. you guys are separated. Probably can't communicate with each other. It was difficult. Her parents were a lot, uh, a lot stricter, a lot more uh, controlling, and unfortunately, physically abusive uh, towards her and her siblings. So they took away like her phone, her car keys and things like that. And so she didn't have access to a lot of those things. So it did prevent us from communicating. And there was a period of about, I think, 10 months where we weren't able to see each other. Um, They sent her to a a very strict school a college up in wisconsin called maranatha baptist university i'm not sure if you're familiar with like uh bob jones or like the southern baptist church or anything like that it's very similar to like it's like very extreme like westboro baptist type thing like no skirts above the ankles you know like yeah fun stuff so that wasn't a good experience for her either so we didn't see each other during that time period and that was difficult but um she was able to join me down in Florida um, a few months after I got down there. So that was kind of the start of our lives together outside of the church and hiding and all that. I'm so impressed with you because you're so well-spoken and you're so calm. And I find my blood boiling right now hearing your story, (laughs) but you articulate it really well. And you are the one who lived through it actually. And so, so you leave the conversion therapy camp and you just say by parents, like, I don't care about you or not like, I don't care about you, but you say, I I've got to be me. I've got to go live my life and you move out. It was difficult. Yeah. Growing up in a religious environment, um, obviously Christianity had meaning for me at that point and it, it, it had purpose or at least what I thought was purpose. Um, and so there was a period of time where I think especially the first few meetings and things like that, I really had a hard time trying to reconcile what I thought I believed Christianity with who I was as a queer person. So I read a lot of um, really helpful 
books that taught me a lot. I, I genuinely feel like I got more of an education about the Bible and about the, the reality of Christianity and uh, understanding conservative religion and things like that more because I desired to understand like where I fit within this narrative. Uh, and so I, I really did study and educate myself pretty well um and i think i was able to articulate to my parents like how this process was making me feel and so when i refused to go to harvest anymore then they sent me to the pastors of the church that i that we had attended since i was a child and that was almost more traumatizing i think in a way just because the men who they forced me to talk to were people who i had known like since i was a kid you know like the pastoral staff you know men who were like i don't know like family you know essentially so it's crazy like it was really crazy to me that they could treat me like that even though for all objective purposes nothing about me had changed you know um this is kind of who who i've always been i've just not felt safe to express these and now that i'm expressing them exactly like the reality is coming true like this is exactly what i expected you know so it's kind of like so that was difficult i um i then refused to go see them anymore and at that point they said okay well you know you've exhausted your your treatment and your options like game over type of a thing so um so do you have a relationship with your family now uh yeah we talk occasionally it's it's a difficult way to understand or to express i should say um it's it's not the healthiest of communication and i don't feel like seen or heard or loved by them and i i reach out to them just so that i guess it's not static in between us but like it's pretty easy for me to now understand uh and recognize what it looks like to be in healthy relationships with people and what healthy familial love and uh you know affection looks like and how how it looks and sounds to take care of people and ask them genuine questions about their lives and things like that so knowing that now having a healthier understanding of that i think it's easier for me to like be aware that we don't really communicate healthily i just make an effort type of a thing Wow. How, um, how important has it been for you to see trans people represented positively in like the media? I mean, I, I imagine for some, I'm just hypothesizing, but I imagine that that's a really powerful thing because there's a lot more representation now. I, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm thinking of like Laverne Fox, um, who's fabulous. Did that, yeah. was there a shift when you started seeing more representation? Absolutely. Yeah. And Laverne Cox is like an incredible uh, example of uh, a trans woman of color who has broken incredible barriers to be who she is and live her life authentically. Um, I, I, I can't like understate the importance of representation, especially for young queer kids. Um, There are, like astounding numbers when it comes to the percentage of like homeless youth that are LGBTQ or specifically that are trans um, and things like that. But um, like seeing yourself 
like in in real life like seeing the possibility of a future for yourself is probably one of the most important things that a trans youth especially someone who is in a restricted environment or a more conservative environment that's like probably the most important thing they can see because i think without seeing yourself portrayed you don't think that there's a future for yourself because i know i didn't um as a kid like i just didn't think that there was like a world in which i fit um so i would have to conform myself to fit the rest of the world type of a thing um so it's really important for for lgbtq youth to see themselves and to see whether it's a celebrity whether it's a tv show whether it's like uh, you know a super bowl ad um it's it's in the books they read it's in their toys like it's in education like changing our world from something that is so um like cis hetero which which is just kind of another word for just that's the norm that we've lived in for so long changing it to be a world where you know there's queer inclusivity there's inclusivity for people that are disabled uh you know people of color like we this should be a world where like there's you know i would want everyone to feel included and at home like they can express themselves um just real quick you are going to be a motivational speaker one day i just i see that for you you're so articulate you you really are really well spoken i can't believe you're 23 you have a wise old soul and i think that you are going to be somebody that a lot of young um trans kids look up to one day thank you and i I think that that day is actually pretty soon um thank you and if i don't know if that's what you want but i'm just seeing that for you because i think that you could reach a lot of people that are um feeling lost and feeling like they don't have a future and i just i know suicide rates are probably pretty high and um different communities that have been marginalized. And God, I mean, especially when your family fucking disowns you practically. I mean, I I can't, I can't imagine that. And I, I, you know, it makes me sick. It makes me sick as a mom. I, and just like you said, you didn't change who you were. And all of a sudden, just because you love somebody, everybody's going to treat you differently. Mm. And I've never understood that. So I just really can't understand why anybody else has a problem with that. What do you think is the reason why people are just won't, won't accept? I mean, I ask myself this almost every day when it comes to like, when it comes to religion specifically, I'm still trying to figure that out because outside of religion, I think it's pretty easy to say that for the most part, people either don't, know or don't want to know um because it's possible to learn it's possible to understand and if you are like unwilling to learn there's not much we can do for you but if you're just scared you know education is there resources are there but religion um denying your child on the basis of religion and religious beliefs is like it's a totally different ball game and it's just so tricky because like what I was told is, is a series of like probably about five to eight different verses in the Bible that, that address what they consider to be homosexuality. And when presented with, and I presented them with the fact that 
not only does that word not exist in original Greek and Hebrew translations, that word was introduced to the English language like in 19, in the early 1940s. So like when I try to give them that kind of information, I'm like, actually like based on science, we understand this about sexuality and about gender, you know, science can tell us this about the way that bodies are formed and DNA and things like that. It's like when they, when religious people choose to deny those things, um, it's really hard to find a common ground on which you can find objective truth because their objective truth is found within um, their, their beliefs, which they consider to be universal, even though others don't believe them. Um, and so that's kind of like the wall that I will keep like coming up against. Um, I just had a conversation similar to this with my brother the other day. And I was saying, it's hard for me to be able to like converse with you when we can't, we can't necessarily agree over common, you know, common truth because, you know, he essentially thinks that God is above science or that his beliefs of the Bible and of God and of, of the world are, more, more objective, more, more, you know, they hold more validity to the world around us than science does because science would say that queer and trans people have always existed. You know, LGBTQ people have been here since the beginning of time type of a thing, you know what I mean? So it's when, when I'm like, well, this is what science says. And he says, well, no, it's like, uh, <laughs> I find that uh, often, like, I don't think conservative Christianity is the norm, but it is something that I, I grew up and was just kind of familiar with and it, um, it living in it and then stepping out of it, you, you look back and you're like, wow, this is indoctrination at its finest. You're taught, um, what to think, not how to think. You're taught these things about the world as if they are objectively true, even though they're not. Um, like a really easy example of that is what they consider to be creation versus evolution. And they hold them both up as if one is not like simply a theory and the other is like as close as we can understand to biological life type of thing. But it took me being like a 19 or 20 year old like person, like looking it up and understanding these things because I was that's the only thing that I ever knew is that like the world was only like several thousand years old and God created it. <laughs> What's your relationship with God like now, or do you have one? Um, I've stepped, I've stepped back from organized religion and Christianity in huge part because I think I've come to a, a better understanding through education, through educating myself through resources of like what, what the reality of like the history of Christianity is um, and how modern day Christianity is, you know, it's, it's book following, it's rule following, they're following a book, you know? So I just, that wasn't something that I was interested in. Um, uh, especially I guess after, the way that I've been treated. And that's not to say that there aren't good, inclusive, affirming churches out there. So I guess it's just not a place that I felt really included. So I didn't want to pursue it. That makes sense. What do you think some like just common misconceptions are about trans people? Um, I think gender can be a tricky thing for people to understand. Um, I think I it's, sometimes it's hard for even... I will say sometimes even I get confused on how to refer to people because I'm 
so paranoid about saying something that could potentially be hurtful or, or insulting mm-hmm. and it's it would never be my intention to ever make somebody feel bad it's it's truly the opposite but even I find myself being like hmm, I don't actually know all the different ways people want to be referred to and I imagine it's personal of course but um Sometimes, and I think a lot of people fall under this category where they're, they don't want to make a mistake, so they don't say anything. And I, I actually just, I really want to hear from you, um, you, you know, what some misconceptions are and, and how people can make sure that they say the right thing without ever being insulting. Yeah, of course. Um, it, like, like you said, gender, gender is tricky. It's, it's just as difficult for us to try to understand that, but like kind of coming to an understanding of our own gender can make it easier to express that to others. Um, one of the best things that I've learned is, is that if you're ever unsure um, of how someone wants to be uh, referred to their pronouns, their name is just to ask um, 10 out of 10 times, you know, if someone were to ask me my name and my pronouns, I'd readily give it to them. And, um, but Overall, gender is a tricky thing to understand. A lot of people that I come into contact to um, assume that I am male or that I am a man um, because I was assigned female at birth. So it's like, oh, how does it feel to be a man now? You know what I mean? You know, and and it's it's funny to see the way that uh, people change and in the ways that they interact with you, but as far as misconceptions go, I think that's a pretty common one um, for, for trans and non-binary people. A lot of times people assume that, well, you must be the opposite of whatever you were assigned at birth. Whereas gender isn't necessarily a one or the other opposite kind of assumes that there is a one or the other type option. Gender is, is a spectrum. Um, and it's a, it's a really fluid way of just being able to express yourself like, and things like clothes aren't gendered or hair isn't gendered you know, nail polish, makeup, these things aren't gender. These are simply just like things that we have created as a society that help us more comfortably express ourselves. So seeing someone, you know, in public with, you know, pink hair, green nails and a, you know, a crazy outfit doesn't give them any definition of gender, like their gender is still up to them type of a thing. So I think it's a pretty common misconception for people to assume uh, someone's gender based simply off of how they look. What's something you want people to know about you and your experience? Um, I think that trans people really truly want to kind of safely live and exist in this world. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily, uh, our job to always educate others and teach others about who we are and things like that. I would really, really love it if, if people were to try to take the time to seek resources out and educate themselves as well type of a thing. Um, and under, you know, in order to better understand, I think that's probably one of the best things you can do to like love the people around you. Like if you are someone who has like uh, a younger sibling or a, a, you know, a niece or a nephew or someone who identifies as queer, you know, that's a really good thing that you could do is, is take time to like do some research and understand or just sit down with them and ask them um, about themselves or ask them how you can support them or make them more comfortable because it's, 
difficult to exist as queer people within a world that was designed and built for heteronormativity and that was designed for for the the, the cisgender person and not and not queer people. Perfect. I'm really proud of you. Just we're going to throw that out there like your big sis. I'm so impressed with you. Um, Thank you so much. Have a really, I really appreciate bright future. That. I don't know what you do for work or what you want to do or what your dreams are, but I, I'm sure you'll get whatever you put your mind to because you're super you. smart and open-minded and really thoughtful and articulate. So whatever you do, I'm sure you'll thrive in. What do you do, by that's, the way? That's really encouraging. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. To be honest, it's been difficult. I everything around here is like service industry related. So since the pandemic, we've been out of, uh, out of work. So, um, I'm not entirely sure what's in the future for us. We're actually renovating a school bus right now, um, to take on like as our full-time living situation. Oh, you're speaking my sister's language right here. That's like a probably her wet dream. <laughs> ah, amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a huge project. So that's what we're working on right now. But I would love to, I actually really do enjoy public speaking. That was like always my favorite class is speech. Everyone else like shit their pants, but I was like, I love yeah. this class. <laughs> I, I got an A every time. And I was like, mm, so excited to prep for my public speaking. And, and like, we would have been best friends in public speaking. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy your 70 degree weather day. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.